Well, good morning again. My name is Dwayne Spearman. Welcome to Directional Bible Ministries for February the 23rd. This is a teaching ministry that is called to encourage, challenge, and disciple the people of God. Uh, today we're going to continue our study through uh, chapter 11 of the book of Romans. Chapter 11 of the book of Romans. So let's go ahead and open up our notes here. Um, and last time we left off was here in verses 8 through 10. Um, according as is written, God hath, and of course that's a parenthetical statement there, so you can't pick up there. It doesn't make sense. It's out of context. What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for. And of course the he there, understand Jacob was renamed Israel. What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. Of course, the election, as we've already talked about, has nothing to do with the body of Christ. The election are the Jews who had accepted the gospel of the kingdom, and those who did not accept it were blinded. And then the parenthetical statement, of course, you could read it, what then Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained, obtained it, and the rest were blinded unto this day. And of course, that's until the day that Paul was writing, right? But he sticks this in here, according as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber. So now he's explaining why the rest were blinded. Because God hath given them a spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear. Uh, and of course, um, and David saith, now he's going to begin to quote Old Testament passages um, justifying this, or showing that it was already in the mind of God, God knew it was going to happen. And David saith, let their table be made a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a recompense unto them. Let their eyes be darkened that they may not see and bow down their back alway. And as we talked about last time, we see these in Isaiah 29, verse number 10 and Psalm 69, verses 22 through 23. And then we get into verse 11. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? And again, paying attention to personal pronouns, they is still referring to the nation of Israel that are that have been blinded. Have they stumbled that they should fall? And again, remember, when we talk about the nation of Israel, the whole nation stumbled. They all stumbled. And now, certainly the elect did accept the message. But remember, we said it's a national message. It required a national response, and that's not what happened. And as a result, the entire nation, okay, the entire nation was um, put to the side, if you will, uh, until God starts to deal with them again in Daniel's 70th week, which we call the tribulation period. So have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid, but rather through their fall, and again, it's not talking about when it says their fall, it's not talking about the individuals who were the elect and the ones that were blinded. It's talking about the entire nation. Rather, through their fall, salvation has now come unto the Gentiles. Why? To provoke them. Who's them? The Jews. 
to jealousy. So the they in this verse is, is of course, unbelieving Israel, but all of Israel is in view because they all had to believe because it was a national salvation, not an individual. As such, God used their temporary fall, and it is temporary, to bring salvation to the Gentiles with the hope of provoking unbelieving Israel to belief, to believe, okay? Um, but again, God, and the whole point I'm, I see here, and the whole point that I'm making is, God is not through with the nation of Israel. The church is not Israel. We are not spiritual Israel. And that's where we get into trouble. I mean, sure, you know, those who are Reformed and believe in replacement theology, they'll just come right out and say it. I mean, it's what they believe. But many well-meaning dispensationalists do the same thing in what I call like a, a soft <laughs> Reformed theology or a soft replacement theology because they'll say, no, we don't believe in replacement theology, but then they'll turn around and take the promises that are for Israel and they'll give them to the body of Christ. It's the same thing, <laughs> okay? I mean, we can't do that. You either are or you aren't. And as far as I can tell, you know, I mean, there's three types of ways to look at the Scripture today. There is through the, the covenant reformed lens. There's through the dispensational lens. And, of course, there's caveats in there and disagreements as in breaks and things like that, like dispensationalism. I mean, you know, those like me who have come to hold a mid-Acts view that the church was born in the middle of Acts somewhere with the with the conversion of Paul, not at the not in Acts that chapter number two. We're still dispensationalists. I mean, we 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 just kind of disagree about where and what happened. Um, but still, there's only those two. But then there's a third one, and that third one to me is I don't know if it's more dangerous than the first one, but or even if it's more preferable than the first one. I, I mean, I categorically reject the first one. I, I just cannot embrace, and I've tried, and I've studied. Um, you know, it's just like a scientist. I mean, you you test it and see if it bears fruit. You know, I've, I've tested um, Reformed theology, and it just bears no fruit for me. I, I cannot agree with it. I, I just reject it categorically, wholeheartedly, and those of you that embrace it, I just think you're, you know, you need to take your filters off and start looking at the scripture and taking it literally and stop spiritualizing it to get to where you are right now. Um, but that third group mixes the two. And that is where most dispensationalists fall today, is they mix covenant and dispensational theology. They mixed the gospel of the kingdom with the gospel of grace. You know, they they turn around and say, you got to repent, you got to be baptized, but you're saved by grace uh, and not of works, lest any man should boast. That, that's a contradiction. I, you know, uh, they read James and, you know, and I did it for years. I'm not being judgmental. And I'm, I'm not necessarily saying it, it affects your, your salvation, you know, unless you're trusting in works. But they'll read James, which is clearly written to, James, <laughs> clearly written by, by by James to the nation of Israel, 
who was very much still under the law at that time. Uh, and they'll say, see there, you're not saved by works, but if you're saved, you'll do works. And I agree with that statement, but that's not what James was talking about. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you can, I mean, you can still not embrace what I'm saying, you know, and still, I, I just think it's a misinterpretation of James, you know, and that's what most dispensationalists do. They, they don't rightly divide. They, they don't clearly, distinctly separate. While they will say, we don't embrace replacement theology, Israel is different from the body of Christ, and vice versa, they won't acknowledge the fact that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's no church there. Uh, Genesis through Malachi, there's no church there. And I believe Hebrews through Revelation. It's not written to the body of Christ. It's written to a kingdom church that is distinct and separate from the body of Christ. That's why I, I really just don't like using the generic term church, <laughs> okay? Because, yeah, I mean, there's there's the church that was in the wilderness with Moses. You know, there's the kingdom church. There's the body of Christ church. There's the, you know, I mean, so I don't like using that word church because it applies to at least four different churches in the in the scripture, um, so I prefer to use the word body of Christ. And, and that third group is the confused group. <laughs> they mix the two, and that is where uh, the majority, the vast, overwhelming majority of dispensationalists fall in that confused group. They they say we literally believe the scriptures literally. They need to be translated literally, but then they turn around and they spiritualize the text just like the other guys do. You know, so. Um, but anyway, look at verse twelve. Now, if the fall of them, and again, them being the Jewish nation, be the riches of the world, and the diminishing of them, the Jewish nation, the riches of the Gentiles. How much more will be their fullness? Right? So as a result of their fall, you know, and that word fall there is transgression, and their diminishing or deterior or deterioration, as recorded in the book of Acts, salvation has come to the Gentiles. And if there was such a blessing that was received as a result of their fall and their diminishing, can you imagine what's going to happen? Um, when they come into their fullness, it's going to be even greater. That's the language that Paul is using there. And then he says in verse 13, For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am an apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify in mine office. So the Gentiles that Paul is magnifying well, the Gentiles, Paul is magnifying his office, um, are not, well, what I'm trying to say is the Gentiles to which Paul is magnifying his office are, too, are not the body of Christ, but the proselytes within Judaism. Now, that's where I think the crucial pivot point, the, the confusion comes in. I believe that the Gentiles that Paul is addressing here is not the body of Christ. Romans 9, 10, and 11 is all about 
Israel. So if he's talking about Gentiles within Israel, he's not talking about body of Christ, grace-believing Gentiles. He's talking about proselytized Gentiles. It's just like when you read the book of Acts, and immediately we start reading it, there's Parthians, and there's Medes, and there's Elamites, and there's and we start throwing all these people into what happened at Pentecost, and we throw them in there like they're all Gentiles. They are overwhelmingly Jewish. They were Jews that had come back to Jerusalem for Pentecost. And there were proselytes there, the Bible says. So what happened in Acts 2 was a Jewish thing. It was Jewish. Those were Jews that had come back into Jerusalem. And there were Gentiles who had proselytized into Judaism that were there. It was a Jewish event. So the Gentiles that Paul is magnifying his office to is not the body of Christ, but the proselytes to Judaism. It has to be because of verses 20 and 22. Notice what it says. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off, and thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest he spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and the severity of God on them which fell, severity, but toward thee, goodness. If you continue in his goodness, otherwise you will be cut off. Now, that is not grace language, folks. (laughs) I mean, God doesn't say he's going to cut us off. And God doesn't tell us to continue um, in his goodness. That's works language. That's not grace language. So when he starts talking, and we're going to get down into this, but I'm just throwing it out there. When he starts talking about how that uh, because of unbelief, they were broken off, they being the Jews, and you stand by faith, don't be high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural, don't think he's going to, he's not going to spare you either. Okay. Again, and I'm going to show this when we get down there, but I don't think that's, that's not grace language. The Gentiles that he's referring to there are not the body of Christ. And, you know, and I find it interesting how Paul magnifies his ministry as an apostle to the Gentiles, while most today fail to distinguish him from the others. Most today, will not distinguish Paul from the other 12. They'll just say, "Hmm, there's 13 apostles, you know. And there's right. There are prominent apostles. I mean, obviously there were more. But Paul was distinct from the others. That's why he is magnifying his office. He's not magnifying their office. He's magnifying his office as the the unique and one and only apostle to the Gentiles. You know, and when, you know, sometimes language, language is powerful. Sometimes I hear brothers say, I, uh, 
Paul is my apostle. You know, and people will kind of pull back. Well, Paul, Paul did say, follow me as I follow Christ. Paul is the apostle to the church. Paul is the apostle to the body of Christ. So the statement is valid. Paul is our apostle. Paul was the only one that was sent uniquely to the Gentiles with the gospel of grace. And when we fail to distinguish him from the others, we get into trouble. They do the same by failing to distinguish their ministries and equating Israel and the church as the same thing. It's not. It's not the same things. So we'll talk a little bit about verses 20 and uh, twenty and 22 as we get down there. But again, uh, we'll talk about that when we get down there, just not to confuse it at the moment. I don't want to jump ahead. So notice verse number 13 again. For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I'm an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify in mine office, if by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh and might save some of them. Obviously, Paul is speaking of Israel. Again, we see his desire to see unbelieving Israel saved. And the day will come, but not during Paul's ministry. Down in verse number 26, we see, and so all of Israel shall be saved. It will happen, and it could have happened then, but it didn't because they rejected the message. They rejected the kingdom gospel. Now look in verse number 15. For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall be the receiving of them but life from the dead? Again, as a result of Israel's rejection, the world has been offered salvation. And the verse is very similar. Verse number 15 is very similar to verse number 12. Because verse number 12 says, Now if the falling of them be the riches of the world, and the diminishing of the riches of the Gentiles, how much shall their fullness be? But then verse 15, For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, you see how similar those two verses are? What shall be the receiving of them but life from the dead? So verses 12 and verse number 15 practically say the same thing. Now look in verse 16. For if the first fruit be holy, the lump, looking at my time, uh, if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the fruit be holy, so are the branches. Um, we'll get into that next time. We're going we're gonna to take a, a big jump here uh, in our thought process. So we'll cover that next time. Um, so... God bless you guys. Hope you have a great day. Remember that God loves you, wants the best for you, and he's working all things out for your good.